Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, hi, Rockbrook. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. So great to be together worshiping with you in this moment. I think it speaks a lot to your desire and who you are and what you want the new year to be, that you're here on Sunday morning worshiping with us. But I also want to welcome anyone who's joining us online right now, or if you're watching online later, listening by podcast later this week, as many, many people do, uh, welcome you as well. Thanks for making time in your week for us. I hope the future is nice. I'm believing great things for 2023 and what's ahead right on the cusp of a new year. I've noticed that we tend to have a lot of different feelings. Some of you are excited about this new year. Like this is the year uh, you've got something on the calendar. You're going to be getting married or having a baby or you're scheduled to pay off a debt or you're retiring this year. I don't know what it is, but uh, you're excited about something for the new year. Some of you are a little bit nervous about this new year and what's happening and what lies ahead. There's something you've got to face this year that you're not particularly excited about. But here's where I found that most people are right now on the cusp of a new year. We're not excited. We're not nervous. Most of us are just, you know what the number one reaction I hear is, it's here already. Someone said, wasn't it just the millennium a couple years ago? Like, what does the new year even mean? I realize especially I'm talking to a group of people that are here on Sunday morning. It's like, this is just another day for you. You went to bed early last night. You wish everyone would have knocked off all the commotion and fireworks and just like, can we just live our lives, please? And there's not much anticipation or anything. And you wonder, can we look forward to a new year? And as we begin this, I just want to put that question on the table. Is there anything to look forward to this year? In the world that we live today and all that we see on the horizon and what we're going through, uh, can we be excited about it? Is there anything to look forward to? And I want to submit that you better believe there is. In fact, if you look at your, the notes on your, the, this passage on your message notes, uh, that God tells us something that we can look forward to. It's in Romans chapter 5. Follow along with me. It says, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, how? How have we been made right in God's sight? By faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. He goes on. Because of, because of what? The same thing that made us right in God's sight. Because of our faith. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So all of it, all of that, the trials, the problems, they make us even more confident in our hope of salvation. And he closes this section out saying, this hope will not lead to disappointment. You won't be disappointed. For we know how dearly God loves us. 
Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. God says there's absolutely something to look forward to in your future. You can look forward to not necessarily better circumstances, but you can look forward to a better you. You can look forward to endurance and character and hope and sharing in God's glory. You can look forward to what God wants to do in your life. And this is what I want to spend just a few moments on together today, looking at Three things that I believe you can look forward to in the new year. Now, I've categorized them three different ways. It's something that we need to let go of, something to adjust, and then something to do. So something to let go of, something to adjust, something to do. And I want to show you these also from the Apostle Paul who wrote this in Romans 5. He also wrote a letter to the Philippians uh, while he was in prison in Rome And in there we find one of the most famous statements for him, very similar. He says, I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. And so what's the first thing that we need to let go of? Well, before you write it in, I'm I'm about to do something to you that I really don't like it when people do this to me, okay? (laughs) But because number one is we need to let go of our worries. Let go of your worries. I don't like it when people tell me not to worry. I don't like it when Jesus says it. I don't like it when the Apostle Paul says it. I don't like it when people close to me say it. I hate that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. It's never made me happy a day in my life. And they make it sound so easy, but your worries are a real struggle in your life. Like they're genuine concerns in your life. But God tells us not to worry. What does that even mean? Let's define worry. Let me first say what worry is not. Worry is not a legitimate concern that causes you to act. So worry is not when you say, we should have a rainy day fund, we should have an emergency fund, because that's legitimate concern. Emergencies happen all the time, we should have a way to respond. Legitimate concern causes you to act. You should wear your helmet. Legitimate concern, people fall off their bike all the time, Put your helmet on. When they fall off their bike, it causes them to land on their head, hit their head. Legitimate concern causes you to act. That's not what we're talking about here. Let's define worry this way. If you're taking notes, worry is stewing without doing. It's when you're dwelling on something that you don't have any control over. You can't do anything about it. Or maybe you can do something about it, but you can't do something about it for for months and months and months, but you're just focused on it. Worry is nervous energy about what might happen that keeps you from enjoying what is happening or looking forward to what could happen. That's what worry is all about. How do you let go of worry? How do you stop stewing without doing? Let me tell you what doesn't work. Sometimes we try to use logic to get ourselves out of worry. We, we think, well, I'll just convince myself this is not a worry. I saw years ago, someone actually did a study on this. They came out and said that 92% of what people worry about never actually happens. I was like, oh, hey, that's comforting. I'll just remember that. But what did I start doing? I started thinking about, well, what's the 8% that I'm worried about that actually will happen? And so you can't logic your way out of worry. You can't guilt yourself out of worry. A lot of people try to do that. Well, I'll just feel bad about it. But then you become 
worried about being worried and it creates a cycle and, and it's hard to break out of. So what's God's prescription? So if God's the one who's going to say, don't worry, okay, God, what do you want me to do then? What, what does he say about handling worry? And I want to look at a verse or a couple of verses here that, I mean, if you're at church on New Year's Day in the morning, you've seen this verse before, you know this verse. Uh, but do not ignore it because it's God's prescription for worry. And if a prescription works, it doesn't matter if you've seen it before. You know what I'm saying? Like if I've got a headache and I know that this pill relieves my headache, well, then I'm happy with that. I'm not looking for something new. Just give me what works. And so here's God's prescription of how to deal with worry. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Do not worry about anything. Okay, what, what should I do? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all that He's done. Then, watch what happens. You will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's a peace beyond anything understand. It, in fact, it, at times, it almost drives people nuts because they're like, how can you be so at peace about this? Don't you care about this? Aren't you worked up about this? Well, I, yeah, I care about it, but I, I prayed about it. I went to God. I thank God for what he's done, and I have a peace that passes understanding. Friend, here's the exciting thing about worry. There's an exciting thing about worry? Yes, absolutely. Is that every time you have a worry, it's an opportunity to remind yourself that God cares about you. And if you'll do those things, pray about it, tell God what you need, thank Him for what He's done. Just let me ask you, have you done that? Have you gone to God, prayed about it, told Him what you need, and thanked Him for what He's done? Have you taken that prescription? So next week, we're going to begin our annual, annual 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's going to run from January 8th, that's a week from today, next Sunday, to January 28th. At the beginning of the, of the year, we make it a priority to seek God first. We do this by claiming 21 days at the beginning of the year and claiming them for prayer and fasting. I put on your notes some components of these days. John's going to share in the announcements about uh, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. But we're going to have three nights of worship that include music and prayer and communion, teaching, connecting with God. We'll have some fun moments in there as well. Next week, we'll do the first one of those. It's going to be a collaboration with our student service because it happens normally when that happens. Last year, that was tremendously powerful, uh, very successful. Have our whole church all together uh, to kick off this time. At rockbrook.org prayer, you'll find some resources for this that are, will be going up this week. Still putting those together because I want them to, I really didn't want everything to just be its own deal and kind of own appendage. Because we're doing a series during this time called All Access, the Story of You and God. So the daily Bible reading plan and the prayer emphasis are going to track with that. So it kind of feels like all one momentum thing together. Uh, but what I'm asking you to do, and we'll have all those resources up next weekend, everything. But what I'm asking you to do today is begin praying about and thinking about your fasting plan for the 21 days so you can hit the ground running next week. And fast, what is fasting? So prayer connects you to God. I don't have time to teach this whole thing today. We've done this in the past. Prayer connects you to God, but what fasting does is disconnects you from the world. So 
Jesus looked at this crowd, this culture, this group of people, and said, a perverse generation, they were too connected. They didn't know God, they were too connected to the world. And so that's what you want to do is connect to God through prayer, disconnect through the, from the world through fasting. And fasting, when you couple it with prayer, it's like hitting a reset button on your soul. It becomes very powerful. So here are some different types of fasts that you might consider. One is just a complete fast. And some of you have done this, and a couple of you have come to me and told me, you're like getting ready, you're on-ramping for this this year. Complete fasts where you don't eat any solid food for 21 days. You eat juices and broths, and, um, and you develop quite a hunger over that time. It's really something you've got to on-ramp to and really consider and get, get ready for if you're going to do that. If, you're, if, if that's you, I can connect you with some people in our church who have done that and how to go about that. But another type of fast, and this is what a lot of people at Rockbrook do, is a selective fast. It's where you select something in your diet and you remove it. It's something that you crave, something that you desire, and then you remove that thing and it becomes a reminder to pray. And it's something that, it's not like you remove kale from your diet for 21 days. It's like something that, uh, that your body is longing after, that if you remove it, you're you'd have those cravings, and it's going to be a reminder to pray, and it's going to be uh, something that you're causing, you're, it's reminding you constantly. The power of a fast is this constant desire is reminding you of your purpose and what your focus is and relying on God in your weakness and putting your mind in a constant focus of what you should be thinking about and what you're doing. Another way to do that is through a partial fast, and this is where you take part of the day off of eating altogether. Number of different ways to do that. You could say, I'm not going to fast or I'm not going to eat lunch and during your work break and during the lunchtime, you redeem that time as that's the time that you would do, maybe do the Bible reading plan or study or spend time in prayer, pray a prayer outline. Or you could say, I'm not going to eat from sun up to sundown, um, or I'm going to only eat to a certain point of the day, and then I'm going to take the rest of the day off. That's also called intermittent fasting for like dietary reasons. But just a reminder of biblical fast. It might have dietary, uh, like, positive things that happen, but that's not the purpose of it. In fact, even a fast, like, you can't sustain it. You couldn't, you couldn't do this for a year or for a long part. That you could do it maybe for 21 days, but it's not supposed to be something that's sustainable that you can live off of. It's something that's, that you're coupling with prayer to create an intense time of kind of resetting the soul and focusing on God. And every time the Bible talks about fasting, it's talking about a food type of fast. But if you have like a health issue that's preventing you from fasting food, or you want to refocus another area of your life that's out of balance, you could do what's called a soul fast. You could take part of your life, something in your life, and eliminate it for a period of time. And I, I'm hesitating even to like suggest what that might be because I want the Holy Spirit to put that on your mind and for you to, to think about that. But it, just to give you an idea so you know where to go with that, it could be that I'm going to take 21 days and no social media or I'm going to cut out TV or the certain thing, the certain voice in your life. I'm going to turn down that voice to leave room to turn up the voice of God. And then at the end of the fast, you consider, how do I on-ramp that thing back into my life in a more healthy way? 
So if you go to rockbrook.org slash prayer, you'll see that you can scroll down and see these four things and see those laid out again. And pray this week, consider what your fasting plan is going to be, and then we'll have all the resources and plan for you to do the prayer and scripture part and everything. But we're going to let go of our worries, not going to be stewing without doing. We're going to go to God in prayer. The second thing to do to look forward to a new year is to adjust your expectations. Friend, your expectations govern your life. The expectation you have about something is going to lead your life. In fact, here's the way the Bible says it. In Proverbs 4.23, you know this verse. It's, it's, uh, usually we see this we, in most translations, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. In the NCV, it says be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Say be careful about what's this most intimate, most important part of you because it determines what the rest of your life will be. If I have a thought or an expectation of what's going to happen, and then reality doesn't match that expectation, that's when I get upset. That's when I get worked up. That's when I get uptight. And the fault, follow me with this, please. The fault is not the circumstance. The issue is really the expectation that I put on the circumstance. Couple of examples. Let's say that you and I were to carpool somewhere across the city. And I think it's going to take 20 minutes to get there. And you think it's going to take 40 minutes to get there. And in reality, it takes 30 minutes to get there. When we get there, we both just had the exact same experience. We rode in the same car, traveled on the same roads, left at the same time, got there at the same time. But what happens? When I get there, I think we're late. And when you get there, you think we're early. And even though we just experienced the exact same reality, we're both ex having a different experience. Why? Because of our expectation. And our thought is determining how we receive the reality. This happens in all areas of life. You buy a Christmas present, toy for the kids, you're really excited about it, you think it's going to be a quick and easy assembly. You discover that this contraption was not organized by uh, Santa and his elves, but Satan and his demons, and it takes four or five hours to put it together, and now you hate this rotten toy. All hypothetical situations, by the way. But what are you expecting this year? Because I'll tell you, there are some amazing things that are going to happen this year to you. Like God is going to provide in amazing ways. And you're going to have breakthroughs and stuff that is just so enjoyable and so sweet from God. There are also going to be some hardships coming that you can't control that will be very difficult to deal with. So what do you do? One option is you could say, well, I'm just going to think the worst is going to happen, so I'll never be disappointed. But that doesn't work either because that's not reality. It's, the worst isn't going to happen in every circumstance. And you'll just become a depressing person to be around, disconnected from reality. Here's what you do. You've got to realize that God works, if you're taking notes, write this in, in the best and the worst. Why? Because God works through what's really happening. God doesn't work through who you pretend to be. He works in who you really are. 
God doesn't work in the circumstances as you want them to be. He works in the circumstances as they really are. The trials, the tribulation, the successes, the joys, all of it. So you realize, you remember that through the best and the worst, no matter what's happening, God is with me. God is here. He's present in my life and he's doing something in my life that is beyond my circumstances. And he can work even in this. Realize God can work in the best and the worst. But what do you do? You focus on, you focus on the greatest. If you're taking notes, write that in. Focus on the greatest. And the greatest is not your circumstances. Because your circumstances do not last. Amen. Sometimes you have to amen yourself. Circumstances do not last. They came to pass. Friend, what you're going through, you're going to go through. You'll get through it. And you'll get to the other side. And God has greater things for you. And he's working things together for your good. So you focus on which is that which is going to last. This next verse in Philippians, verse 8. We were at 6 and 7, now verse 8. says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The thing that's worthy of praise is the thing that has, you're giving the highest part in your mind. It's willing to consume your mind and to think about. Think about things that are worthy of, of being up there. What's true and honorable, right? Pure, lovely, admirable. Think about the things of Christ. He's the only thing worthy of that highest point. And that's how you know, that's how you determine idols in your life, is, is you come to the end of the trail of what's the, has the highest thing in my mind? You tear that down and say, is that worthy of praise? No, God is worthy of praise. Christ is worthy of praise. Ask yourself, what expectation do I need to adjust right now going into the new year? And let me make a suggestion. If there's something that you're thinking, this has to happen for it to work out and for it to be good. If this, this thing has to happen for it to be a good year. Well, some circumstances are out of your control. And you adjust that one right now. You say, God, I give it to you. Help me to respond to what actually happens. God, your will be done. Make my will your will. How do you look forward to a new year? Three ways to look forward. One is you let go of your worries to adjust your expectations. Or then you adjust your expectations. Then number three, the third thing you do is you take a step of faith. You want to look forward to a new year? Faith has to be a part of it. I want to show you what has become my vision for 2022 for our church. And I know you'll be happy to hear it comes directly from Scripture because everything we intentionally do at Rockbrook comes from God's Word. It's based on the Word of God. These verses have become the guiding light for this year. The Apostle Paul, it's from Philippians, the Apostle Paul talks about his circumstances and wondering He's in a point where he's imprisoned in Rome and, and he's been doing ministry and on his mission for a long time and he knows he's near the end and he's talking about finishing strong and he's even saying, you know what, this could be it for me, but if I, if I continue to live, that's Christ and I'll live for Christ, but if I die, that's gain because I get to go, go be with Christ. And he says, I'm torn 
Let's go to the verse. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you. Let's read this part together. Grow and experience the joy of your faith. That line has become my mission as your pastor for 2023, that we will grow and experience the joy of faith in Christ Jesus. And I declare that 23 is going to be the year of great faith. Many, many people are not growing in their faith and they're not experiencing the joy of their faith. It doesn't have to be that way. Uh, uh, Your faith, I, I want for you that being a Christian and your faith in Christ is the best part of who you are. It's the greatest part of who, it's the most joyful part of who you are. Even though you're going through trial and tribulation and all these things, that you are experiencing the joy of your faith. Now, a lot of people think that when you talk about faith, that just means prayer and going to church and these different things. It starts with that, but there are millions of ways that faith can be acted out in everyday life. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, where we get, it's where we get the faith chapter of the Bible. It's where we find a laundry list of how faith acts. And studying for the small group curriculum on faith that I'm about to tell you about, we go through Hebrews 11 in part of it. And in going through it, I realized that there's all these different words of what these people did to demonstrate their faith. And, and you know these people, Abraham and Moses and Rahab and Noah and all these different people that are in the hall of fame of faith. And it gives you these words. I've just pulled out these words, the actions that people took because they had faith. Some people, because they had faith, they understood. Like that, they just understood that the heavens were formed at God's command. They understood that he made everything. And sometimes faith Like we're fighting understanding and it comes to a place of understanding. Some people had, because they had faith, they offered. They offered, made an offering to God. They offered themselves. They offered the things in their lives as a sign of faith. Other people decided. They made decisions because of faith. Some people built. This is Noah, built an ark because of his faith and to save his family. Maybe God wants you to build something this next year because you have faith. Some people went because they had faith. Abraham uh, went from where he was to where God was calling him to be. That took faith. Some people trusted. They entrusted their lives over to God. Some people blessed. They encouraged others. They blessed other people because of their faith. Some saw. They saw things in a new way. Some refused. It says Moses refused uh, his rights and privileges because of his faith. Maybe there's something you need to refuse in your life because of your faith. Other people left. This was the Israelites. They left slavery, bondage in Egypt, and went to the promised land. They left that behind them because of their faith. Other people persevered. Other people kept. They kept the thing that they'd been promised. Other people crossed. This is the crossing of the Red Sea. Maybe there's something God is calling you to cross over into your life. Other people welcomed other people into their life. Other people conquered because they had faith. Some administered because they had faith. They did what was right with the power that they were given. Other people gained because they had faith. What are you going to do because of your faith this year? 
And you may not have an answer to that now. That's what we're going to go through this year. In fact, I, I believe, this is my mission, this is my vision, that by Easter of 2023, you are going to clearly know what God is calling you to do because of your faith. And that you're going to have a word, an action. Jesus, or James said that faith without action is dead. And that you're going to know the action where you're going to know the thing that God's calling you to do to demonstrate your faith. This is why at the beginning of February, we are launching Daring Faith. It's a two-month spotlight on what God's Word says about faith because everything that God wants to do in your life is through faith. He does it by His mercy, because of His mercy, by His grace through faith. Now this is, if you're new to this, this is what at Rockbrook we call a spiritual growth campaign. And it's a season of time that we align our whole church around a God-given biblical theme. And so in our weekend services, our small groups, our daily moments with God, from kids, teens to adults, uh, we're focused on that one thing. We're going to have, you'll come and have a weekend service, weekend sermon worship on daring faith, on daring to believe, daring to wait on God, daring to plant in faith. Uh, all around this, what Bible, the Bible has to say about it. Then we'll have a small group um, gathering that has a corresponding message and then a study guide with 40 daily devotions in it. We've already filmed the small group content. We're excited. We're getting ready to go. We're going to begin with prayer, pray first for the 21 days, and then move into the spiritual growth campaign for February and March. But it's going to take a step of faith from you to get the most out of it. We can do all this, but if you don't step into it in faith, you don't get the benefits of what God wants to do in your life through faith. And so I want you to begin asking yourself how you can best help during this time. How can you best lean in and help the church around you, help one another grow and experience the joy of our faith, the mission of this? And, and maybe it's Starting a small group for that season, for the eight weeks of the, the gathering, February and March. You could grab one or two other people and say, would you go through this Bible study with me? Let's go through this together. And uh, we'll have information on how to do that. But I believe for many of you, it's to step out and take the initiative and say, we'll go, we'll go through this uh, together as a family or a couple or with one or two other friends to go through this Bible study together. Maybe it's to say, I want to help the next generation have a daring faith. That I want them to grow and experience the joy of our faith. Because the next generation having faith is everything. It's so valuable. And so I would encourage you to, starting next week, go through Growth Track in January and join our Rockbrook for Kids team and help serve our kids and teach our kids uh, about faith through February and March and daring faith. I want you to get thinking about praying about open up your hands and your mind to how you can get involved. We're going to have more information, but I'm trying to plant a seed of this today. Why are we doing this? Let me answer this question. Why are we doing that? Why is 2023 the year of great faith? Why are we doing daring faith? I want to show you two passages, two verses. And um, I had 140 verses on this to show you why we were doing this. And I'll have to show you those throughout the, the spiritual growth campaign. But I'll show you two today. One is Ephesians 2 verse 4. says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. 
For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not any work that you do that gets you right with God. And too many believers are trying to tip the scale and are trying to put all the efforts into the work that they can do for God and impress God with that and, and do more good than bad rather than focusing on the thing that really saves you, which is your faith. Everything God wants to do in your life comes through faith. In Romans 1.17, we see, for in the gospel, so in this economy that we're living in with God, the good news, the gospel that he made a way of, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. From first to last, from beginning to end, believers, the righteous, will live by faith. What does that mean? It means that you're seen from God's point of view. It means that you're living life, not just by your own understanding, not just by your own perspective, but that you're living life by God's perspective. Not just your own expectations. God, what do you expect? Not just your own thoughts. God, what do you think? Not just what you only want to do. God, what do you want me to do? And you're living by faith. That's what we'll be discovering this year. Do you want to look forward to 2023? You let go of your worries, pray to God. You adjust your expectations, focus on the greatest things. You take a step of faith, the righteous will live by faith. I want to close with a statement. This is on your outline. I put it in quotes because I hope this is a statement that you will make. Um, And you can choose to write it in or not, if this is you or not of how you want to live. But more than anything, how do you want to live in your life? Do you want to live by your own desires, your own purpose, your own goals, your own understanding? Do you want to live by what the world dictates to you? Do you want them always on the offense and you always on the defense having to respond? Or do you want to live in forward motion with God's mission and vision? And I hope that you'll come to a place, that we'll come to a place as a church family that we will say, More than anything, I want to live by faith. More than anything, I want to focus on the greatest. As we think about this next year and think about that, let's go to prayer and pray to God together. And I'm just going to pray a prayer that's on my heart and mind at the end of this message and these verses that we've looked at. And you're more than welcome to say, me too, God in your heart and mind to say, yes, God, I I want that. So in faith today, Father, I say I really do have something to look forward to this next year. And in many ways, it takes a lot of faith to say that today, God. But I really do have something to look forward to. And God, I ask for your help to lay aside my worries, to stop using this energy of worry and stewing on things that I don't have any control over. God, I accept what I cannot change. And Lord, I need the wisdom to change the things I can and to focus on the things that you're calling me to focus on. So God, help me to focus on the greatest. And Lord, whatever the circumstances, I know that I can look forward in faith that I can look forward to taking a step of faith. And so God, right now, uh, 
in this moment, I open up my hands, I open up my mind, I open up my life to what you want to do in me, through me, this year. And I want it to be a godly thing. I don't want to waste my life, Lord. And I want to live it by faith. More than anything, I want to live by faith. God, I lift up our church to you. I lift up the young people to you, that they would grow and experience the joy of their faith. God, I lift up our whole congregation to you, that we would grow and experience the joy of our faith like never before. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.